Welcome to Building the Future. I'm your host, Kevin Horick. You can check out new episodes of the show every Tuesday and Thursday at 2 p.m. If you missed an episode or want to get more information about the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Raji Wahidi. He's the founder and CEO at Virtual Rehab. Raji, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Kevin. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. What you guys are doing is is really interesting, and I love how you're bringing technology into a space that's not really known for being techie or having any kind of technology in it, um, especially kind of in the like kind of software space. But maybe before we get into virtual rehab and exactly what it is and what you're doing with that, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, uh, Kevin, I'm Canadian from sure. Montreal, Quebec. So I grew up uh, in uh, the lovely uh, French city of Montréal. Okay, it's um, a beautiful uh, city. I've been there uh, a couple of times now, actually. It's gorgeous. Uh, it, it snows a lot in winter, but you know what? Sure. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful city. Um, it's a very uh, multicultural, um, and you can get poutine. I was just going to say that. No one else. <laughs> I was going to say, it has no the one best, else. best poutine in the country, for sure, is in Montreal. It does. Like, you can't even argue. And Absolutely. For people that don't know what poutine is, because this is going to, uh, most of the people will, in America might not know what that is. It's basically like fries covered in gravy and and cheese curds. And like, and exactly. there's other topics you can put on, like meat or beef or whatever. But like, traditional poutine is, is just those th- three things. And if you haven't tried it, I highly recommend it. <laughs> Very. I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, I Wherever I go, we always look for the poutine, at least those who come from Montreal. But yeah, so I'm from Montreal, Quebec. I grew up there I, um, on a personal level. Uh, we're a family of uh, five. Um, I have one brother and uh, two sisters, and I have an amazing, amazing mother who I owe everything that I've accomplished so far um uh, to her um so she's the one who raised uh, raised me from a very young age i lost my dad when i was uh, very young so she took on the responsibility and uh, she basically carried the torch so uh, i just want to recognize her efforts and uh, she made me the man who i am as of today sure. um so um, other than that, other than that um kevin basically i started off my um career um, as an engineer, um, okay. so I was geeky behind computers, uh, and I was basically troubleshooting systems um, for multinational organizations. So if, if let's say the network would go down, I would go in and try to troubleshoot that and get it back uh, on on track. Um, then moved on to uh, more of service management and uh, and um, design and architecture of networks until I actually one day moved to uh, the Netherlands where basically I met with my new employer who offered me to actually move to California and I couldn't resist and say no to that. So I actually moved to California, enjoyed again the sunny weather, um, worked there as uh, responsible for all global service management. Wow, that's awesome. and uh, did that for a couple of years before relocating again, 
but this time to Singapore. Interesting. Um, where I had the mandate of covering uh, 17 different countries and establishing that organization's operations. Um, uh, and then after doing that for a year, returned back to California briefly um, before I relocated again to New York mm-hmm. and helped the organization to re-enter the U.S. market after they sold their shares. Interesting. Um, Having said that, I'm also a registered United Nations and UNICEF volunteer. So the social element of, uh, of what, what I've been taught through my young ages uh, and as I grew older has always remained with me, which eventually led me into virtual rehab, which our mission is basically, Kevin, to do social good and help the vulnerable populations out there. No, I... I think that's great, but I'm, I'm kind of curious, um, before we kind of dive into virtual rehab, like for yeah. the, the volunteer stuff around the United Nations, like, do you actually go to certain places when something happened in the world to kind of like as a volunteer or kind of how does that work? Great question. So what we've been doing, um, uh, my involvement when it comes to United Nations and also other volunteering, it was more of... Um, volunteering in the local community. Oh, okay. So when it comes, for example, to a food for drive, or even right now we have the refugees crisis, mm-hmm. whenever they need support and they need additional help in that regard, then we would go ahead and volunteer accordingly. No, I, I think that's great. And I think sometimes people forget about, there's a lot of people that have needs in your own kind of community, right? Like it's not always Correct. just overseas. It's like, could be, you know, not that far from where your house is, right? And so I think that, that's really cool of you. And, and um, you know, that's great, man. So you founded Virtual Rehab. Why did you decide to found it? And what exactly is, are you guys doing? Fantastic. Fantastic question. But just before going there, if I may, sure, man. I, I actually... The comment that you just mentioned resonates with me very well. For example, in 1997, I believe, Montreal had a a very strong snowstorm where we lost all electricity um, across the city. And they were looking for volunteers to help out in hospitals and what have you. So I strongly, um, uh, it strongly resonates with me what you've just said. And I totally encourage every single person out there to contribute to their community if they can, because they're always looking for someone to help out there. Sure, and it doesn't have to be financial, like to your point, like sometimes no. it's just give your time, right? Yeah, Ex- exactly, no, totally agree. So apologies for deviating uh, there. No, no, but it's all yes, good, man. Ab- <clears throat> so- absolutely, so why virtual rehab and yeah. what got us there? So uh, Kevin, if you look at the virtual reality um, market, uh, the moment you mention virtual reality, it seems like everybody thinks of games, mm-hmm. which is rightly so, so. Because when you look at 2015 until today, um, virtual reality has been predominantly used in the gaming industry. So that's why the moment you you, you mention VR, people associate it immediately with games. Totally. So, but people tend to forget that back in 1994, it was actually used in the medical field. Okay? Really. Yeah, so Kaiser Permanent in, uh, were the first to actually try using virtual reality in, on acrophobics. 
Okay. So those are people who are afraid of heights. Interesting. And I didn't know that. As, yeah, it's it's actually quite um, amazing the results that they came up uh, they came, they came up with. It it looked like uh, for those who participated as part of the study, over ninety percent of them got rehabilitated using virtual reality technology. Interesting. So why did they stop? Do you know? Why did they stop in the medical field? Yeah. Or they're still doing it. They we actually don't hear did, about it. Yeah, we don't hear much about it. That's, that is the, the core problem. The, again, there's so much focus on getting games out there, which is fantastic because sure. it's a great experience um, to have in the gaming. But there are so many studies that are still ongoing. For example, they've used also virtual reality and um, on military combat personnel. So those who returned from Iraq and Afghanistan with PTSDs, so post-trauma symptoms. Sure. Even those folks got, uh, when, when they did the study on those folks, over 75% did not show the PTSD symptoms any longer. Wow, that's, um, that's incredibly high, actually. It, it is very high, and, and it gets even more interesting, Kevin, when you, when you listen to BBC a week and a half ago, when they, when they basically announced that someone who was paralyzed paralyzed was able to walk all over again I because of virtual that, reality actually. technology that that's yeah. that's like like obviously that's in incredible right but like it's just fascinating that i i love i guess i love technology that actually like makes a difference right and or taking something that you know i'm, and I'm not saying gaming's bad because like i i don't play games anymore no. just because i don't make time for it but like <laughs> i've played a lot of games in my day and i'm and when I'm playing games, I'm all in. And part of the reason I had to quit playing games is because I, it just took over my life. So I was been there. There you I, go. I over <laughs> it. But but I, but I think I love the fact that, you know, you're using something to actually really help people in a bunch of kind of interesting kind of non-traditional verticals. Exactly. Exactly. And, and to your point, I think there's nothing wrong with using this technology in gaming. Yeah, in exactly. fact, what, what led me to this? is my experience into uh, trying virtual reality in-game. Sure. Um, so it started off there, and then I tried virtual reality in an educational framework. And then that's where I saw that, you know what? We can leverage this technology that has been underused in the industry space from, uh, from a correctional perspective or from any different perspective and maybe add value into people's lives and adding value is by allowing the these prisoners or inmates to reintegrate back into society once they get released from those prisons. Sure. So walk me through okay like I don't know pretend I'm an inmate and I go in I go in for whatever uh, does yep. does it really does like what I'm charged with really matter like in in just hypothetically um to actually use what you're doing like do you tailor kind of the the rehabilitation based on why i'm in prison great question and i'm i'm, I'm really glad that you asked this is the beauty of virtual reality is that we will be customizing the programs according to the various offenses got you and if i actually take it back a step back sure. we're offering four kinds of services okay formal education Okay. which is things like business, um, mathematics, sciences, uh, and what have you. 
Um, but, but, but actually what's interesting there is while we were going around speaking with the Department of Corrections, they told us that part of education, you need to actually develop something to teach inmates how to use an ATM machine because some of them don't even know how to use it. So this is the kind of training that we would be uh, developing as well, how to ride a bus. That's part of education because some of them don't know how to write it properly. And this is our job to educate. And that's why we keep on saying, Kevin, this is an immersive, virtual reality-based learning and rehabilitation experience. Got you. So it's kind okay. of like rehabilitation, educating, training. I, I get they're all kind of related. But to your point, I think like especially if you've been in, I don't know, like – I don't want to sound like politically incorrect, but like if you've been in prison for for decades, there's going to be certain things that you've never experienced in the real world, correct? That you would need to be educated on and that you could do through virtual reality that like you that I've probably never even thought of just because it it's just something that like I grew up doing. Right. But if yeah, you haven't yeah. been through it. Yeah, that's actually quite fascinating to me. So <clears throat> you're, you're spot on. Spot on. This is this is the closest, Kevin, that an inmate can get to reality and to freedom sure. that he can ever get. So, and, and that's why we focus on formal education. The second thing is vocational job training. So teaching them uh, how to be a car mechanic, how to do welding, molding, and what have you, instead of going in the field and potentially injuring themselves and sending also correctional officers with them, which is... If you, if you think about it from a business perspective, um, from a Department of Corrections um, standpoint, mm -hmm. it's time, sure. and time is money. So mm -hmm. we're saving you this money as well and doing it within a, a, a room, um, which is whatever, 10 by 5 or what have you. And we'll, we're, we're replicating that experience, sure. the real-life experience, exactly as it is from that room. No. The third service that we're offering is uh, psychological rehabilitation. Okay. And that's mental illness programs, for example, um, coexisting disorders, and intermittent explosive behaviors, which, which is another word for violence. Okay. 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 And the last program is the correctional gotcha. rehabilitation services, which is sex offending and alcoholism and so on. Got you. Okay. So let's step back for a second, and I'm, I'm kind of curious – Let's cover maybe each one of those four verticals in depth a little bit yeah. more. So formal education. So um, kind of like your basic kind of, you know, language, math, sciences, technology, right. business, whatever else. So how yeah. how does that like so I put on the headset, I pick I pick the program, I say like I want to learn English today or Spanish or, or whatever. And then mm -hmm. how, how does that how, like walk me through that experience. I, I, I know like Perfect. obviously the radio is hard to, you know, yeah. <laughs> visualize some of this stuff, but like, I think like people can go to, uh, you know, virtualrehab.co and, and watch some of your videos. And yeah. I was watching the, that car video you sent me a couple of weeks ago again this morning and like, yeah. it's very cool. So kind of walk me and the listener through kind of how you guys handle formal education. Absolutely. No, another great question. Before I guess go into the how, it's the why. Why, the, why is this actually going to work? Sure. So from a formal education perspective, you and I know it, and a lot of uh, people who, who had the luxury or opportunity of going to a school, 
we te- uh, or a training session or what have you, when you sit in a classroom environment, you do learn a lot from mm-hmm. your professor. However, when do you learn most? It's when you actually do things practically. Totally. Okay. When you're engaging in the environment, when you're interacting with the, with whatever scenario you're in, this is proven scientifically that when you apply things, you learn more than actually sitting in a, in a classroom and just listening to what's happening. So this is why this is works. This works from from a, a, an education perspective, and it applies across the board. Now, how to to your question? Is for instance, let's say it's a, it's an English okay. um, uh, curriculum. Um, you would have an instructor in front of you, and this instructor would actually be teaching you the various uh, uh, grammar, vocabulary, yeah, and see. what have you. And you would add, you we we might develop it in a manner that you know you have different bubbles around you, and you have to pick the right the right word to fit into the sentence that you're trying to complete. Gotcha. So again, you're trying to make it more 3D, more immersive, and more engaging and interactive. Okay, so you basically have like a 3D teacher in a lecture hall. Like exactly. Of, okay, very cool. That's And then I'm interacting with them in virtual reality. Correct. That's... And you make the exercise more engaging. Again, sure. back to the scientific proven point that if when you make things more engaging and more uh, interactive that's when you learn most sure and like and then if I don't get a concept or something I could just watch it over and over again or pause it even right like yeah okay exactly very cool so what's what's cool about it also Kevin if I if I may our application is actually integrated with what we call an LMS, which is a learning management system. Okay. And this learning management system, and it applies for all four verticals, it will measure the action and the reaction of the uh, inmate or the correctional officer or the drug addict, because we're extending this beyond also prisons. We're going into rehab centers, which is very much linked to our correctional uh, services program because the argument will always be Kevin okay f- fine virtual reality this is fun this is cool but how do you prove that it's effective yeah, how sure. do you know that it works sure and this is what where we bring our uh, value add is by providing you with KPIs key, key performance indicators that prove the effectiveness along with the existing research that proves that this is effective and has sure. worked because people because there could be some people that would say, well, you're just basically getting them to play games, right? But if you have the yeah, data to say exactly. that, no, 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 they're actually learning some stuff, and here you go. So is there, and and I guess like just kind of under the educational uh, vertical, is that kind of how all the subjects kind of work, or are they a little bit different? Because like reason I ask is because like yeah. I'm thinking like chemistry or physics or, or any other kind of maybe the sciences or maybe even just like uh, mm-hmm. you could physically simulate, I don't know, like a science experiment or like plants growing or a bunch yeah. of stuff, right? So that maybe they have to check back over it over like hours or days. Like do you guys offer that? Is that something that you're going to do? Is that even like in the cards? 
Definitely, and you're spot on, and it's in the product roadmap. So absolutely, and even take it, to, the, the time that you have to wait, you don't have to wait for days, although you will understand, and you will appreciate through the program that you have to wait for a couple of days in order for the plant to grow. But we will expedite this uh, okay. uh, within the yeah, program in order to make days, it. Right? Yeah, yeah okay. we'll simulate things. And even when it comes to things like, for example, you want to learn the periodic table. Uh-huh. We will have the periodic table, but the elements will be floating around and you'll need to know where exactly should we put boron or where do we need to put sodium and what have you and how many uh, protons and neutrons and so on. Make it again back to the point of making it, making it engaging, sure. interactive so that it sticks to your mind once and for all. Sure, I would probably need that. I, I don't think I could put anything on the periodic table. <laughs> Neither can I. I. I'll be I'll be very honest. <laughs> Granted, it's good that I, I remembered it's called a periodic table. Yeah, there you go. But no, that's good though, right? Like I, I think that's yeah. that's great. So I, I'm kind of I think this kind of segues good into kind of the job training side and um yeah. obviously for people that didn't watch the the car video I mentioned a few minutes ago, um Walk me through kind of the job training thing, because I think yeah. this ties into kind of all the verticals. But I think to me, I think you, this could be a really huge market for even somebody that's just like a hobbyist or they're like, yeah. you know, I really want to change this in my car and I have no idea how. Right. Like, mm-hmm. I think this could be really cool. So walk me through kind of the job training side of this. Yeah. Absolutely, and let's let's stick with the car since we're we're, sure. we're we're talking about that one. So, we'll take it from the very basics, Kevin. Okay. So, first of all, what is a car made out of? There would be a training about that. So, you would basically be introduced to the various components of a car. This is a wow. tire. This is um, an engine. This is a car seat, and what have you. Then you'll have a program telling you, okay, now that you've learned this is a tire and what have you tell us where is the tire and you'll you'll have to go around and locate the tire and and say okay this is the tire if you get your answer right then you get higher points if not then you'll get lower points and so on got you now the next exercise will be let's say you want to replace um the oil within your car okay okay? or you want to replace the tire you you will be trained on how to do that and the next exercise would be okay now that you've learned that please go ahead and uh, uh, perform this exercise and the software will measure whether you locate the right um, compartment and what or or you end up pouring the oil into where the water is supposed to be right um, and what have you so all of this again is educational and interactive sure and then obviously it tells me or like when I'm doing this in VR, it tells me, well, Kevin changed the tire in, I don't know, like three minutes or 10 minutes or however long it took me, right? And then um, you could move, the same thing would apply to any other kind of job training field. Um, You know, like just on your site, you have like kind of plumbing and welding and carpentry and stuff like that. So kind of anything in the physical world that needs um, job training, you guys could basically do in VR. Exactly. Interesting. Exactly. Okay, so yeah. I'm curious about kind of the psychological rehabilitation. Um, obviously, um, there's kind of, at least in Canada, the whole kind of mental illness and kind of um, you mm-hmm. know mental disorders has been kind of 
at least trying to brought to the forefront and um, kind mm-hmm. of there's been a big awareness campaigns about that. So how are you guys kind of doing real rehabilitation in that space? Yeah, and I'm, I'm actually glad you asked because uh, a lot of the questions that do come up is like, okay, uh, how do you rehabilitate if you're not a psychologist yourself? How sure. do you know how, uh, what what is needed? Which is exactly why we um, uh, are hiring folks like correctional psychologists okay. who would guide us through the process and tell us exactly what is needed, what is mental illness, what are the symptoms of mental illness, and how we can address them accordingly. Um, so, uh, Kevin, what we would do in that space is that we would develop a scenario which will immerse the student, and in this case, the student, again, could be the correctional officer, the inmate, or the drug or uh, addict and what have you, into a situation where they would be challenged from a mental illness perspective scenario and see how they will react accordingly. How will we help them address these symptoms in the best possible manner in order to delve into the root cause of the problem and allow them to rehabilitate all over again? So... And I don't want this to kind of get political or kind of controversial, but is the idea so you could potentially diagnose better and maybe decide if medication or different medication is needed or or not needed? Or maybe like you say, like, you know what, like if you could just do VR rehab instead of maybe taking medication in in certain kind of aspects like. Right. Again, like I, I don't right. really want to get like because I, I don't really like Alert, to do yeah. political or kind of stuff on the show. But yeah. like is does I guess the thing is, does it give you the proper data to make better decisions, whether somebody needs drugs or or no drugs or maybe like a combo of both, I guess, is the question. Okay. Mm. And I appreciate the question. And uh, we're not taking anyone else's job. OK, we're, we're this is complimenting the existing efforts I see. Okay. that so are happening. You're providing data I, then, and then it's up to the exactly, your physician exactly. to decide or, or interpret the data how they see fit? Correct, okay. correct. And I think, Kevin, what's, what's important is sometimes, let's take inmates, for, for example. Inmates are put in a position where they are asked to sit down with a psychologist Mm-hmm. Um, and the psychologist will ask you, are you, are you going to commit suicide? That's, and it's a blunt answer, yes or no. And mm-hmm. the inmate will feel the pressure as to they have to respond in the right manner or else they're in trouble. Right. In this case, what we're doing is that we're creating the re- real-life environment or we're putting them in a scenario where we can get those answers indirectly uh, rather than got you. directly. Got so you. we... They will benefit from this. Now, whether the Department of Corrections in the future will decide to use less of the psychologist services in certain areas, that's always going to be a possibility. But will it replace uh, the need for a psychologist? I don't think we're there yet. Sure. Well, I think I think the sad reality is is 
pretty much every industry, including even the technology industry, will be replaced by technology at some point or, or parts Correct. of it, right? Like, I, I think that's just a reality that we all have to face in the future. How much of it, exactly. who knows, right? Maybe some, maybe none, maybe every. I don't know, right? But I like, agree. technology replaces other technology all the time. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I, yeah, like it. We see I, this with Uber. Well, we exactly. see it with self-driving cars and what have you. People will always be afraid of what's going to replace their jobs. Exactly. Um, but you know, this is this is the trend. This is the future, and we need to ensure that we follow the future yep. um, and prepare for it in advance but it also in order to avoid jobs. having these issues. Exactly. Yeah. So that's that's exactly the point. Um, we need to anticipate what's going to happen in order to be able to replace the jobs with other jobs. Well, and to be fair, like un until you mentioned the 94 um, kind of virtual reality rehab study, like even take like, well, for example, like then take 1990, you couldn't have, the, mm. this industry that you're playing in now didn't exist. Or realistically, yeah, even correct. you probably couldn't even have done this three years ago, five years ago. Yeah. Right? Like, so yeah. it's a new, there's, there's, there's going to be jobs in the future that don't even exist today, right? That will be created by technology totally. or something else. So, which is interesting to me in in the whole thing. But so, kind of to get back to kind of your your last vertical, um, the correctional, correctional services space. I know we kind yeah. of touched on it a little bit throughout the conversation, but but I'm curious to know what how does that kind of really work? Because if I'm dealing with I don't know like some sort of, you know, say I'm a violent offender, right? Hypothetically, yeah. like, yeah. how does, how do you use virtual reality to, to make me, I guess, like not better turn to violence or yeah. better? Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a, that's a very good question. So for the violence scenarios, that, that's actually a great um, example. So let's say you have, for example, we'll put you in a scenario where once you put on the headset and you're all geared up, you'll basically have a situation where, let's say, a husband and a wife or a boyfriend and a girlfriend or, or whatever you wish to be with your partner. Sure. Um, uh, you'll be in that scenario where you see them fighting together and getting abusive. Okay. And you as an inmate, for instance, you will be measured on your, again, your action and reaction. Okay. So will you interject and try to stop the situation from happening? Or will you hold back since you don't feel comfortable interjecting? There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But you will see a phone next to you and you'll pick up that phone and call 911. Interesting. That's the second option. Or you will revert to the third option, which is do nothing, okay. which is the wrong uh, action to, or the wrong action and reaction uh, to, to be done. So we'll measure all of that. And in fact, this can help in parole um, uh, and to see whether the person is taking the right actions or not. And even if it's perceived, some people might say, well, it could be a game, and they could act as if they would pick up the phone or they were they would interject and stop the situation. Even if if that happens, 
they still learn something out of it. Sure. They will reflect upon that the day they leave prison and they will remember that scenario and say, okay, yeah, I did that as a game back then, but this is how it should be applied in real life and I should do something right about it. Yeah, this I, is how we reintegrate them back into society. Interesting. Okay. So in, in kind of any of the verticals, are, are you allowing kind of like somebody like myself, if I was like, I really want to get better at mathematics and personally, I, I could actually probably use that, but um, <laughs> could I personally download some of this stuff or is it kind of only in cert certain situations? I, I guess like, are you going to sell some of this stuff to the general public at some point? So a great question. Our focus, again, is we're doing, uh, I'll go back to our theme, doing social good and helping the vulnerable populations out there. So we're focusing a lot on reforming uh, prison operations worldwide. Having said that, we do see the benefit of what we're developing in other verticals, and we will in the future consider um, uh, addressing different markets. Okay. Um, however, the most important market that we um, we are looking at right now is again prison operations and rehab centers. But sure. of course, if I'm speaking to an investor, which is exactly the reason why I'm here in San Francisco to take the, con the to take the country uh, to take the company to the next level, is um, it's a great story to to tell investors because the market or the addressable market size is huge. Sure, no, like and even just having maybe even uh, i don't know like this just kind of came to me so you could tell me if it's not really a good idea but like you think of like a group like um like uh alcoholics anonymous or something where maybe Correct. as part of going to a meeting they could have some sort of virtual reality experience while they're there maybe if they're struggling with something or they think they're gonna you know drink again or something right. they could maybe just like go sit in virtual reality for however long is needed that they could mm -hmm. and it kind mm -hmm. of maybe helps them or through that so they don't you know use again i, I think it is yeah. really cool and i i think that's really cool right yeah no totally and i think it's a it's a great example that you gave there kevin and that's why we say we we're addressing rehab centers because sure it falls under the umbrella of correctional sure. rehabilitation services, which extends to other, you know, communities and what have you from an alcoholism perspective. Imagine, imagine the situation where you're actually put in a real life environment. You're, you have an alcohol, uh, alcohol problem mm -hmm. and you pass by a bar and this is the real life um, scenario that they will be engaging in sure. uh, when they're in that virtual reality headset. Um, they'll pass by a bar. The question is, as um, an addict, or um, will you enter the bar, or will you continue and sure. walk uh, past past the bar? You'll get more points if you if you continue. Now, let's say you go into the bar. Okay. That doesn't mean that you know uh, you failed. No, you sit down on the bar. Will you order uh, beer, or will you order coke? Sure. That's 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 another. Again, if you have a DUI, you're not supposed to be ordering anything. You're probably not supposed to be in the bar. But let's say you just went into into the bar. Sure. And then 
you sit on the bar and then you 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 face a social element where you know so we all know that in some bars and clubs people unfortunately pick up fights mm-hmm. so what will you do will you sit down and watch will you move away or will you avoid the fight or will you engage in the fight so and this is the beauty of what we're doing is that it includes both soft and hard skills sure well and then obviously like nobody actually gets hurt right like no exactly <laughs> so yeah that, that's that's quite fascinating so I, I'm kind of curious, you, you kind of mentioned to me that you guys have some, some kind of new kind of partnerships. Do you kind of want to maybe talk about the partnerships and kind of what those entail and, and how those partnerships are kind of using your technology to rehabilitate, uh, you know, their their people? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you for asking. So it's actually quite exciting today we have signed our first partnership across the United States. Congrats, um, man. That's amazing. It, it is. It's fantastic. Um, uh, our partner, uh, they're called Command Sourcing Incorporated. Um, this partnership is effective next Monday, okay. um, which is February 27th. Um, <laughs> and basically what they will do is that they will um, resell virtual rehabs product all across the United States. They have the relationships with um, correctional officers. They have the relationships with the government authorities. And a lot of them have already done this job in the past, as in correctional officers. Gotcha. So that will help us also uh, penetrate the, the U.S. market um, with more solid grounds. Um, the other partnership that I'm excited to, to talk about and, and share that within the next couple of weeks, we will be signing another partnership with an organization that consults and is actually regarded as the trusted partner across all of Europe. Wow. So, Congrats, man. That's amazing. That's great. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. It's very exciting times for virtual rehab. I, uh, we're, we're seeing a lot of interest a lot of momentum again since we've launched november 14th 2016 in the united states and january 23rd 2017 in canada the media has been quite generous we've been covered in over 25 countries um, because of our patent and uh, you know people are excited we're excited and um, things are moving in the right direction no that that's great man congrats to all your kind of success thank you and and it like it'll just be continuous the the thing that we we haven't touched on that i don't know if people kind of caught on like having vr doing rehabilitation and education and and kind of a bunch of this stuff into we'll, we'll save taxpayers an astronomical amount of money and i know mm-hmm. that at least in in america from from what i've heard and and other parts of the world that you know there's a lot of money going into some of these kind of verticals and some mm-hmm. people are fine with it some people aren't fine with it some people are in the middle or don't care but i think it's important to kind of stress mm-hmm how much money a technology like virtual rehab really saves kind of, you know, the global kind of community, right? 
And not only are Mm -hmm. you saving kind of other people, like taxpayer money and taxes, but it's also helping people while saving money. Yes, absolutely. Great point that you're making there. So let's, let's look at some statistics of how it looks today. Sure. And what we're trying to do for tomorrow. Um, so if you look at the statistics, first of all, prisoners um, in general, within the United States at least, um, Canada has similar statistics, by the way. Okay, interesting. Um, within three years of their release, 67% are back into prison. Sure, so we're clearly failing. offenders, but oh, clearly. Um, within five years, it doesn't get any better. It becomes 77%. Okay. Okay. Whether it's the same offense, whether it's a smaller offense, larger offense, it doesn't matter. It means that the program or rehabilitation or educational program is not fully working. It doesn't mean that the correctional officers are doing a bad job. I'm sure they're doing a great job, but they can do with additional help. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. So, um, and that ultimately is um, not helping these folks reintegrate into society, especially that the United States Justice of the Department um, mentions that they spend typically between 1500 to $2,000 per inmate per year on education. Wow. Okay. Okay. Now, wh- how much does that translate onto U.S. taxpayers? Um, and again, I refer to to the U.S. a lot because sure. out of 10.5 million prisoners, 2.2 million are in the U.S. That's 25% of the world population, okay. followed by China, which has 1.6 million. Interesting. Um, and as you can appreciate, um, uh, Kevin, some of this da- data is can can be not fully accurate in certain countries because yeah, it's dirty laundry. Sure. So. Yeah. But so. what does that mean for taxpayers? To your question. The U.S., for example, they're they're paying uh, it, it. It goes up to eighty billion dollars. Wow! Just to keep those folks in prison and rehabilitate them and educate them. Wow! This is what we're talking about. So that's a lot of money that's coming out of your pocket, from my pocket, and everyone's pocket out there. Sure. Um, which we can save, or at least work on reducing by introducing the, the, the latest and greatest technology that Europe, for example, tends to be far more advanced sure. on implementing versus North America. Sure. So in terms of pricing, so we, we've mentioned that the U.S. government um, spends between $1,500 and $2,000 per inmate per year. Yeah. Our technology will cost as little as fifty dollar per inmate per year wow okay and you're going to have a comprehensive uh program that again addresses um uh, soft and hard skills across the board sure so you tell me kevin whether that is competitive or not well yeah it's kind of a (laughs) no-brainer right the the other thing that i think is worth mentioning for people that are new to VR or haven't actually tried uh, VR or like a VR headset, you literally yep. need a computer or a, like a desktop computer or a laptop. And 
it, yeah. it's better if it's a desktop computer, but you can you can get uh, like a pretty good laptop. So it doesn't really matter. Yeah. What I'm, the point I'm trying to get across is you literally need mm -hmm. like the area of like a computer or you need like a tiny desk and a chair to basically probably experience majority of the virtual reality stuff we've covered here today or like a small room, right? So if you think about mm -hmm. being able to educate a bunch of people in a tiny little room with like a computer and a headset and you can teach them kind of math and English and all these other kind of school subjects and then you can teach them job skills like mechanics or carpentry or, or, or whatever, it doesn't really matter. Plus you can kind of rehabilitate them if they have any kind of illness or, or kind of other, you know, kind of rehabilitation needed based on something maybe that they're in prison for. You can do all this stuff in, in like a very, very tiny space where obviously if you had to build a, you know, a, a plumbing, a place to do plumbing and welding and carpentry, like you would need a huge warehouse, like, or many warehouses to do this. And then exactly. you need classrooms and like the, the fact it, it's almost like laughable, the cost, right? That you guys are charging yeah. compared to what it would actually take to do these things without virtual reality. Exactly. No, exactly. And, and if I may add, actually, if you cannot afford going out there and getting a laptop and getting a headset and getting motion controllers. And for those who, who, who don't um, appreciate what, what are motion controllers or as we call them in the geeky world, haptics, sure. they are um, basically, they give you a sensation. So when you touch something, it, it will vibrate. It, it will make it feel more real. And this is where virtual reality is heading. So that experience is, with more um, top level, um, very advanced headsets. But at the same time, if, if you can't afford putting um, a couple of grands on this in terms of a package, you can go ahead and get a cheaper headset, which will provide you with some sort of a virtual reality experience, like Google Cardboard, for instance. Sure. Um, uh, and this is not an advertisement. Because no. like um, we're using. They're, they're, they're 10 to 25 bucks. Yeah, something like that. Okay. Um, but it's a completely different experience. We have chosen HTC Vive sure. to okay. be our, um, our tool because they, they take things to the next level and they provide you with the experience that moves us very much away from gaming and into reality. Yeah, no, I, I think that's great, man. Um, but sadly, we're coming to the end of the show. So... Let's close with mentioning where people can get more information about uh, virtual rehab and any other links you want to mention about yourself. Yeah, no. First of all, thank you very much, Kevin. This is fantastic. Uh, I really enjoyed your questions. Uh, always creative. And uh, um, again, for, for everyone, uh, I've spoken with Kevin even before the call. Great person to know. Um, so if Thanks, you get man. a chance. I really appreciate um, that. Um, do, do do try to get to know to know Kevin. Um, in terms of where they can get more information, I think they everybody can. I invite everyone to please um, go to http colon backslash backslash. Again, you you, you guys should know this by 2017, but just sure. in case, sure. www.virtualrehab.co. 
Okay. Perfect. You will find a lot of information about what we're doing. We keep updating the, the site at all times. And in case you have any questions, any concerns, any suggestions, any thoughts of ways to improve this, um, please reach out to us and let us know. Again, the contact information are on the website. Um, I'll just close by saying I received a, a, an amazing email from um, the wife of someone who was imprisoned um, in U.S. jail since, since 1998. Okay. And she sent me an email yesterday telling me basically how much she and her husband appreciated what we're doing. And she mentioned in her letter that virtual rehab is saving a lot of lives wow. within the prisons because of the fact that some prisoners are giving up on the will to live because they cannot see their families, because they cannot um, see what's happening out there. So the power that we're bringing through virtual reality and bringing them, again, close to freedom is extremely important. And I hope that all governments out there are, 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 will be listening and, um, to what I'm saying here and that they can leverage our technology to allow inmates to reintegrate properly back into society. Yeah, man, that's that's amazing. And it's great to hear kind of those success stories from from people that have been through it. Right. And it's got to it's got to feel good when you're you're making like a real change in in well, many people's lives. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we look forward to it. Perfect, man. Well, again, thanks very much for doing this. I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, have a good rest of your day and we'll talk soon. Thank you, sir. I appreciate your time, Kevin. It was right. great to speak with you. You as well. Thanks. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check them out at electricmantra.com. And keep them for the future.